Welcome to the Business Design Podcast, where we um, get into other people's business. I'm Randy Baker. And I'm Dr. Kent. And today we go all the way to Detroit, Michigan, where we speak with Ashley Williams. Now, Ashley is an interesting person to talk to. Yeah, for all kinds of reasons. Most importantly, her initials read, Aww. What? Oh, oh. <laughs> now I get Sorry. it. No, so Ashley, Ashley is, um, well, she's a very accomplished young lady, has a journalism background, and now she's helping young content creators make money. Yeah, and she's at the phase in her business where she's pulling together a following or the community with the concept and getting some dollars behind it so she can, you know, build out the software and and turn it into a, a unicorn, I guess. Yeah, I think that's the plan. And, you know, with, with quality content, with quality information, I think she's on her way in that direction. So it's exciting. So this was a really fun interview because Randy talks about himself as an old man. That was, that was my favorite part of the discussion. <laughs> Uh, but but he probably has his own favorite parts. Yeah, I do have several favorite parts, but you know what? I'm going to let the listeners find their favorite parts. So here's Ashley M. Williams. Hi, Ashley. Good to talk with you. Um, I have to I have to start off by asking, what's the uh, what what would the analogy be for uh, the berries in the picture behind you? And how do they compare to your business? Are they berries? You know, I think they are like cherry blossom or things. Cherry blossoms. Yeah, flowers. Yeah, They have Japanese uh, writing at the bottom of this wall divider. So how is your business like beautiful cherry blossoms? I think we aspire to be a entity that brings beautiful positivity to the world. <laughs> Nice, nice. To our existence, as they do, yeah. And what is it you do? How would you explain it to, uh, I don't know, let, let's try a three-year-old today. So really young kid, how would you describe it? That sounds great. That's the age of my niece. I would tell her, basically, like, do you like using your computer or, like, you know, a technical device? Because she likes going on to, like, an iPad or something. Be like, okay, well, if you like using the iPad... And you like drawing on the iPad and creating things on the iPad. Do you know that you could actually get paid to do what you love doing by working with a brand or a business, I should say, that likes to, that would like to use what you're creating on and showcasing it to people? You know, I would probably break it down to her in that way. (laughs) So you have quite quite a track record and you've built something now that kind of is a matchmaker between between consumers of information and creators of information how would you sort of classify the age we live in yeah with respect to content and um i guess everyone says content is king and there are all these sort of phrases and and you know kids are growing up wanting to be influencers what's what's your assessment of what the world looks like today Well, thank you so much for your kind words. And my assessment is that, yes, we have all become um, basically a walking media company of some sorts. 
it used to be when I was, for example, in journalism, it seemed like, you know, you had to take a certain route to get on to creating content for an entity or like there was like a certain track to go. Now, because of the plethora of opportunities to create content and to showcase who you are, what you do, what you believe, um, there's so many more ways for people to monetize their thoughts and their talents compared to beforehand. The problem is that a lot of times people don't know the actual best ways or even best practices of going about doing that to make it so that they can actually make it into something that they can do and focus on wholeheartedly compared to um, having to go the normal route, for example, like with journalism starting at a different, like a local market, then working your way up to go to the network or starting on the network and somehow, you know, either way, it's, it's different. It's a different beast today. So the journalism route is also, I mean, that's, it's sort of like the academic route. It's a, um, it used to be really a, a, a merit-based ladder. You'd have to get the big story and then get a pat on the back or know somebody or this and that. And then that all shifted quite a bit when it became like, oh no, I'm willing to, you know, sneak through the border of North Korea or, you know, to get the, to get the big story. So how, how did you end, how did you sort of navigate that landscape as it's been changing? Yeah. So do you, going back to being a journalist, would you say, or even just now? Okay. Well, I'll tell you as a journalist, I think it was about understanding really what I wanted my career to eventually be or to where I aspired to go. And, um, I, tried to do a lot of different internships in college where I was at network news. I worked for almost every major or intern for every major news entity. And that allowed me to get opportunities to see what it was like to be there. I was really grateful for the opportunity, but I also had to, I did things on campus to make it so that I had a good resume, a good portfolio of work to show. And then I also really tried to network with people to figure out like who was the person in charge of hiring what was the cadence for making sure that I got my application on time or I followed up with people and to get that opportunity. And so I think the persistence of it is really important as well. A lot of people don't have persistence, which is really interesting to me, but I understand that, you know, being told no at one time can be disheartening. For example, when I wanted to work for the Today or intern for the Today Show, I didn't get that opportunity, but thankfully, after college, that was actually the first job that I had at um, when I was when I was working at NBC. So I think the persistence is really important. Today, I think with creators, a lot of them don't necessarily know how to go about building those relationships with brands, who to talk to within a brand, how to go about presenting their prices, or like even the rules with FCC of making sure they're compliant. There's so many components of being a content creator. And so with Rizar, we're really trying to help solve those issues for younger generations and making it so that they can get paid doing what they love. And I think also the realm of creating a portfolio of work that really speaks to what their capabilities are and also being able to showcase what they want to do later on in life. So starting that as early as possible, because I wish I would have had that. So Ashley, you use words like impact and mission-driven entities all, all great things, but what do those words mean to you and how do you prevent information overload from diluting the messaging? Yeah, I think it's so important to be, I'm really on this, I want to say like kind of quest right now of being much more intentional about things within the world and things that I'm 
in my in my life and things that we're even doing with the company. So I think it's about being more conscientious in everything that we do in life, and especially with the company, it's about the idea of creating more of a conscious world. And also, as we're creating more of a conscious world, is creating a ripple effect of more conscientiousness, so that even as people are getting more information, if it's more in a way of being of awareness as well as positivity there's a way where they can be more intentional about how they're taking that in and being more conscious of what they're actually taking in instead of just taking in everything, which right now with there's being so much information in the world, it can clearly become that if you're not really having that at the top of your mind of, you know, do I really need to read this article? Is it really going to serve my best, uh, if my spirit, my soul, is it going to be impactful for me or something that I can learn from? Or is it only going to drain my energy and make me get more into a negative state? So we really want it to be where we help people to be more conscientious as they're taking in content and creating it. Okay, cool. Now you're targeting um, millennials and Gen X. Agency. <laughs> the question, why? That's that's one third of the population. So uh, why? What's What's the story? Yeah. Well, I think honestly, from a lot of the things that I dealt with as a as a young adult and as a when I was a youth um I really felt like I wanted young people there's so much going on in the world where there's there's a lot of mental health issues going on right now with people especially young people they're really feeling like they don't have a voice they're trying to figure out what's going on in the world their place in the world their purpose in the world and I really feel like it's imperative right now for us to help them with feeling as though they're their existence is of importance to our world and that their purpose matters and helping them to figure out what their passions and their talents are for them to be able to go forward in their purpose. I think it's critical for the development of our world and the possibilities of what's to come in our world. Because right now there's a lot of downtroddenness going on right now. People are really disheartened by everything that's going on. And as as, as the next generation is preparing and growing, it's important for us to really um, cultivate them into understanding that regardless of what's going on right now, whatever passion, talent, or issue that is of importance to you, you can use your life to change that. You can be what it is that you want to see in the world, despite what everyone else is telling you, you can go forward and doing that. And I think that was really, I had people around my life who were telling me that as a young, at a young age, which got me into journalism, which got me into using my voice more and my writing more. And so I want to help young people to do the same. So do you really think that um, millennials and Gen Zs are the best people to give advice to millennials and Gen Zs? Yeah, I do. Only because of the fact that from our own experiences, we are able to shape the other person's experiences. It's, it's different when you hear it coming from your peer. You know, when you were a kid, I'm sure when you're, if your mom told you not to do something, but your friend told you, you're probably more likely, as much as we love our, our parents, but we're probably more likely to listen to our friend than we were our, our parents. And so I think the tone and the the authenticity, the relatability of that really helps young people to not feel alone and to feel like, okay, well, you know, it's like mentorship. If you went through that and, you know, I aspire to for what you're doing, then I, I'll take your advice or something in that regard. I kind of want to push back on that just a little bit. It's a little bit like the blind leading the blind. Um, now, I have to say, now, Randy, I have to say, you know, I've told this story before, but I have seen the blind leading the blind. You and have. do a really good job of it. I, I saw this amazing situation in, in Italy where 
and there were three or four um, folks who were, were blind, and, and the one in front was leading the other three. And it was it was a remarkable sight, and literally, you know, it's like, wow, okay, so that, <laughs> anyway. But I wonder, but I wonder, like in that situation, the leader of those folks had to know their way around. And so I guess the, the Randy's point, which both of us are always making, a lot of us, are is some folk some of those young people don't know what they're talking about and influence their peers so how do you how do you filter for that in the work you do yeah that is true i think the key is is knowing that we're all human and that we all make mistakes and we are all not the absolute you know of truth (laughs) um and i think having it be where we also help the young people too to trust and rely on their intuition as much as they are you know taking advice from other people, but I think it is of importance too to to filter into young people to really tap into their intuition and to trust and to listen to what they're being told internally and to what they're being led to do internally, despite what someone else may say too, which is a, is good to have by you. But ultimately it always comes back packed down to your intuition and what's being what you feel is resonates with you. Intuition and internal I I, I like those two words with respect to young people as well, because it, it feels like society in general, all of us, not just young people, we're, we're, we have earphones on all the time. In fact, the three of us have earphones as we're doing this interview, right? But we're, we're so focused in on podcasts, we're so focused in on uh, media and no silence anytime. So I think that, you know, for to encourage reflection in anyone uh, is, is going to lead to good things for sure. So you mentioned someone had their hand on you in a good way when you were young. Who were those folks? How did that happen? School, family, friends, where, where did that come from? Yeah, well, definitely my parents have always been very encouraging of me. My father in particular was really encouraging of me of going, my mom too, really. Um, they're both into, into journalism. and But I didn't even know what journalism was. or like, And they always believed that I could use my voice more because I was really into acting when I was a kid. But... They were like, okay, we know you like acting, but try to find something else too that, you know, just in case. In my high school, I was going through a lot, again, as a teenager, and I was just kind of wandering the halls one day after school because it was freshman year, first semester, and I randomly walked into this TV studio, and I was just like, what is this? You know, and I was just like, this is so cool, and I, I was looking at all the equipment, and I, I was just so mesmerized, and one of the television advisors came out and saw me looking around. And he just started talking to me and he was a teacher at the high school. He taught television production and we would start kind of joking around. And he was like, you know, we're having a hosting opportunities, you know, for kids, you know, for kids to apply to be a host for our show. So like you do shows here, you know, because he was telling me all about the station. He's like, yeah, I think you would be a good host. I was like, "Uh, I don't know. He was like, no, I like your personality. (laughs) I like your personality. You should you should apply. And so I signed up for it and I came in for it. An interview, and from there on, I was hooked to everything related to journalism. I mean, I always was writing, but I never knew anything really about the broadcast side of journalism as well. Um, but I learned teleprompter, floor being a floor director, audio engineer. I would go out as a camera operator and shoot different events at the school or post shows. And so he really was very encouraging of me, and I will never forget him. And then also the the person who ran the television station, he was also very encouraging of me. They allowed me to create my own show um, for teens. One more thing to follow up on that, which is you have international experience, national experience. Uh, 
you're also on the what, on the board of trustees of of your local PBS station, which is awesome. So your your view is quite international. So I'm I'm curious as to and and also you work for you work with the State Department sometimes. So I'm curious as to how you see the world and the U.S.'s kind of role in it and given that you 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 are a very open and an optimistic person how do you how do you kind of in the middle of coronavirus how do you find the uh sort of the blossoms on the uh the tree so to speak yeah <laughs> i'm gonna let, let out a, a moment there no but i um you know it's, it's it can be really disheartening i mean it's hard to sometimes watch the news even having been a part of the news to see all that's going on in the world and just how Every time you turn around, there is something, you know, going on of negativity or et cetera, or nations going against each other or the U.S. having problems with other nations. And blah. like, I think the, the thing that's really missing is the empathy. You know, everyone is interested in gaining power in some regard or like taking control in some regard. But the moment we have empathy and that's infused more into our society, I think that is what will help solve the problem. A lot of people are not looking at it as if, as if, you know, making some type of corruption on something or someone is going to impact, you know, someone else in their life or how that ripple effect can be, how we all are connected. We all kind of think, I think sometimes there are many people in the world who feel like they're their own island, sometimes even our own country, unfortunately. And I think that can be the part of the problem. But I think the moment that we begin to really infuse that empathy more and more people start to, to really talk about how they're, or to see how they're, what their actions are doing are shaping other people, that can really help solve the problem. Because the thing is, the youth really see the issues at hand. When I go to places and I talk to the youth, they're very willing to want to solve it, but most of the time they're so downtrodden by what's happening and how the adults are handling it, that it's hard for them to believe that they have the capabilities of actually even doing that, or that they can dream again, or do what it is that they want to do. So I think the adults need to start acting like adults and being more empathetic and almost going back to having like a childlike spirit where they see how their actions can hurt other people and it's not just hurting them it's also actually hurting themselves too so so what what is the term for um i know on your website you talk uh about adulting what's (laughs) the opposite of adulting um you gotta make up a word right (laughs) i I think yeah i want to say something like Childing, I don't know. <laughs> That's not the word. It's, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I think because so many of my generation, we do have issues. I mean, we don't have necessarily issues, but you know, it's a lot to take in. I think we were told the world would be one way, and then we're en- encountering it, and it's a completely different world than what we thought, and we're we feel completely unprepared. Yeah, that can I can go on a tangent about that, but I won't. <laughs> so the world has always been controlled. And I'm using that word very broadly, um, controlled by old guys like me. And I, I love the idea of childing. I love the idea of thinking back to when I was in my mid-20s and the world was still controlled by old guys like me and I saw all the problems. I didn't have all the solutions, but I wanted to find them. And I don't think anything has significantly changed between way back then and now in that 
The world is controlled by old guys like me. And the youngsters are trying to find the solutions to the problems that they see. And I really admire that. I really, you know, my, my crack about the blind leading the blind, there is a, an element of truth there, but I do admire the fact that the youth of today, just like the youth of my day, are trying to find the solutions. I'm going to throw up a warning that it's unlikely that they will find all of the solutions. They'll move the world in the right direction, but they will create problems of their own because that is the way things happen. Unintended consequences are going to come along. But I, I do admire that and I love the concept of childing and I think I need to try and do a bit more of that myself. <laughs> Me too, even at times. And I agree with you, that tendency. Yeah. So to kind of wrap things up, we like to keep these interviews short. We'd love to get some information on what you do, where people can find you, and what kind of folks you're looking for. Yeah, sure. So I am trying to be continuing to be active on uh, social media. Sometimes a lot going on, but I most people can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ash M. Will. And I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook. And um, we're just looking for content creators who really are about creating content that is authentic towards things that are happening in life and, and really giving perspective on their experiences and truths and content creators who really are wanting things to be putting the world in a more conscientious place. I know we have various types of content on there that talk about all different things from gardening to wellness to, you know, politics, whatever, but um, you know, anything of nature that a person wants to share their voice on and their truth in a conscientious and as much as possible a positive way, even if it's a truthful way in that sense, we welcome. Very cool. And who exactly are you looking for? So you, you kind of mentioned it, but go more precise. Who who literally should just reach out through the computer screen and like start running after you? <laughs> well, I would say so. We do have so we are we tend to go for um, eighteen to like forty one ish of content creators of Gen Z and millennials. So it's a really a full a spectrum of young people. But we also have this section on the site for mentor. We call them mentors by like next gen. So people who are not of those generations, but want to offer like life advice or advice on different things of that they've learned. So that's been really um, helpful for our community as well. And they can just simply go to Rizar.com and then sign up to be a content creator and start from there. We'll also be doing other things with the platform in the near future with new developments on it and having more communication even too with the content creators. And as opportunities come up with brands, we like to connect with our content creators um, that we think really would match with that brand in order to help them to get an opportunity to do what they love and to make money from it. So one, one final question for me, um, rizar.com, double Z, double R, uh, the double R is at the end, not at the start. Where did that name come from? Or is it just a, a fabulous name that people sticks in people's minds? <laughs> Well, I speak Spanish and there's a word in Spanish. I really wanted to encompass the idea of the ripple effect um, into the name of the company. And Rizar means to ripple in Spanish. It also means to curl, but I like the idea of the ripple. And so I uh, was trying to get the domain for the actual spelling of that word, which is R-I-Z-A-R, but it was taken. So I just doubled the Z and doubled the R. And then I heard it's easier nice. to, to trademark and stuff. So That's awesome. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Double the Z and double the R. 
Thank you very much for chatting with us. Uh, it was really fun to get to know you better. Yeah, no, thank you all so much. This is such a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for the opportunity. And uh, everybody go check out, uh, she should post a picture of that backdrop because it's really cool. And now I know it's not berries, it's blossoms. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank take care. You too. Thank you all so much for all you do too. Well, thank you, Ashley. I really loved our conversation today. Personally, I want to thank you for reminding me that I am an old man and that I should become, well, I should practice the art of childing more often. I, I'm pretty excited by that. The uh, adulting is, you know, such a great term and you, you explained it really well. And I do like the idea of childing. I think I, you know, think Randy's being too bashful. I think he childs all the time. <laughs> so do I. Uh, but really fun to talk with you, uh, Ashley, about that. And and it'll be exciting to see where you go uh, with this platform. And speaking of platforms and things like that, we have a platform of sorts. And they're no, they're not uh, platform shoes. Uh, I'm tall enough. I used to actually wear platform shoes back in the 70s. Did you really? Weird. But you're a pretty yeah. tall guy. Yeah, I'm just under six foot, so they would push me up to six two, six three, <laughs> which was, and I was very skinny, so I think I looked like a flagpole without the flag. <laughs> the Germans say you look like a sheet of paper sideways. <laughs> yeah, well, I, if I turned sideways and stuck my tongue out, people thought I was a zipper. <laughs> I like that. So if you like zippers, if you like uh, platforms, check out crazymba.com. Yeah, it, and it truly is crazy, but it's not just crazy in concept, but the value you get is crazy as well. So go check it out.